when I think back over the past 18 months, whiplash is probably the best way to describe the drivers of the market as we've recovered from the COVID-19 induced crash. We saw growth massively outperform, followed by a surge in value, only to see growth start to outperform and dominate again. But within these high-level trends, we also saw big changes to the size factor, leverage, and quality over the past 18 months. Today, we're going to review some of the key trends in factor performance and how this has impacted active manager performance. We'll also look at how managers can leverage changes in the market environment going forward within their portfolios. This is Markets in Focus from Carillon Tower Advisors. I'm your host, Matt Orton. Join me and my colleagues as we discuss the latest trends and developments driving the markets. Visit us at marketsinfocuspodcast.com for additional episodes and insights. Today, I'm lucky to be joined by John Delicate, who's a co-portfolio manager of the Scout Midcap Equity Strategy, along with Mike Waterman, who's a portfolio manager at Clarivest Asset Management, focusing on alternatives in micro and small cap strategies, as well as Steve Singleton, the head of risk at Carillon Tower Advisors. So to start things off, and before we start to look at our outlook heading into 2022, I think it's worth spending a few moments providing context about the environment from which we're coming. And one of the most visible changes over the past 18 months has been the dynamics between growth versus value. Uh, And Steve, maybe you can start us off and provide a more nuanced view of this and talk about some of the factors that are at play underneath the surface that are helping to drive the changes. Sure, Matt. You know, with regards to growth and value, you know, the short answer is typically always economy, inflation, Fed, and interest rates. And and this particular period really isn't any different. Um, I think when we look at the last 18 months, they're part and parcel to the continued long journey of a secular decline in interest rates as fueled a uh, 40-year bull market. And the last 18 months are exacerbated in particular by the very sharp downward shift in the yield curve, pushing nominal rates to the lowest we've seen in post-World War II era, it's Fed's response to COVID and its variants. And it's the setup for this recent window. If I look back to Q319, which was the, the last time value beat growth, if, if everyone recalls, uh, that was the quarter uh, where the yield curve actually inverted and twos were, were uh, ahead of tens. We subsequently got a third rate cut in 2019 that propelled growth back on top, and it stayed on top for much of the next 12 months, largely because of what we saw in Q1 2020, which was our response to COVID, which is a you know disease we had never seen before. So what you saw there with interest rates near zero at the short end and not even as high as 1% uh, at the longer end, uh, we saw growth uh, do extraordinarily well, particularly the longer duration growth and value tended to uh, lag and lag quite precipitously. Up until fourth quarter, when we started having discussions around vaccines and antivirals and the like coming into play uh, to be able to offset COVID and give us a sense that the economy could resume some measure of growth. And that really unleashed uh, a fury in 
the areas that had underperformed, which were small caps and value. And, and they did extraordinarily well in Q4 and in Q1 of this year, you know, before again, uh, we began to moderate as data coming in on COVID and its variants and, and the success of COVID and its variants and, and second shots and booster shots and how that works and how economies are reopening. Uh, that data has left the markets uncertain at best. Um, and what normal now looks like or the new normal sort of changes from week to week, discussion to, dis- to discussion. And it's, it's seen growth and value begin to vacillate quite a bit since then. Thanks, Steve. And just to build on that a little bit, um, there's also been some pretty big changes between large and small caps this year. And, and one area where that narrative of, of growth coming back to start to outperform value, where we haven't seen that has been in the small cap space. Um, so, Mike, given your focus in, in small caps, both growth and value, maybe you can dive into some of the factors that are at work down market cap and why growth has lagged in small caps lately. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Matt. I'd first like to start off talking about you know, growth and value, where it's basically been a two-factor market environment, growth and value. If you're an active manager who is highly exposed to growth, you probably did well. If you're an active manager that was highly exposed to value, you probably didn't do as well. And I think the driving force behind why growth has done so well is what the, has, what the Fed has been doing. They've kept interest rates so low for so long, it's really impacted the way people value these growth stocks. So to think about growth stocks, oftentimes their entire valuation can be attributed to their future earnings streams. And with the interest rates low, you're discounting that future earnings stream at basically a neg- negligible rate, zero penalty on these, on these earnings. But what you're seeing now is interest rates starting to rise. And when that happens, you're starting to penalize the future earnings streams quite a bit more. And when that happens, you see investors moving away from growth stocks to stocks that have uh, evidence of historical fundamentals, historical earnings. Now, in terms of large versus small, we've seen that in, in small cap, there, there's a huge proportion of companies that are non-earners. So in small cap, it's upwards of 40 to 50% of companies based on the Russell 2000 weights that are non-earners. In large cap, it's less than 10%. And what you've seen in small cap, one of the biggest drivers of performance over the last four years, I would say, is these non-earners, these concept stocks. And they've just done so well because interest rates were so low. And now with the interest rates moving up again, these stocks are really coming back down to earth. They're really getting crushed right now. And so I would say that because of this, and because large caps have such few non-earners, they haven't been impacted. So you're seeing growth hold up pretty well in large cap, whereas in small cap, which has heavily exposed to these non-earners, these companies are really getting crushed. And that's really affecting the, the difference between growth stocks and value stocks in small cap. And hopefully we'll start to see a market where two factors aren't dominating uh, performance. And I think we're starting to see that year to date in some other factors. Great. Thanks, Mike. And I think kind of building all of this then is is kind of looking at how active managers fit into that equation with 
with these, um, you know, performance between large, small growth and value. And John, given that you're a core manager in the mid cap space, uh, which is a pretty wide market cap range, I'm sure that you've, you've felt a lot of these changes that are taking place in size, value, momentum throughout the year. How have you monitored and handled these changes in your investment portfolio? So one of the benefits of being a mid-cap core manager is that we can pivot the portfolio towards whatever areas uh, have the best opportunities right now, uh, especially if we have conviction that a given factor is going to outperform for an extended period of time. Uh, this year has been a little challenging because we really haven't had those extended periods of outperformance for any given factor. As you kind of mentioned already, the beginning part of the year, the value stocks and the small cap stocks were working. But then in the, the middle part of 2021, that's reversed. Uh, the growth stocks all caught up in terms of performance. And ever since then, we've more or less been tracking uh, together. And neither of those factors has really been sending you a strong signal. Over here, over the last couple of weeks, we started to see some divergence. So maybe we're starting to see, maybe we're starting to see some factor leadership again, but it's probably too early to tell. Uh, oftentimes, our factor positioning is a reflection of how we view the macro economy. Early in the cycle, when growth is pretty, when expansion is pretty broad and you have a lot of companies that are benefiting from early cycle, that's when value stocks start working. And then as you go later on in your cycle and earnings growth starts being a little bit more scarce, that's when your growth stocks start working. This year has been interesting because that classic stylized cycle hasn't really worked. It's been subverted by the pandemic and we've had a lot of these mini cycles that uh, play out over a couple months, basically as the COVID cases ebb and flow. Uh, currently in our portfolio, we're not trying to take a big factor bet. We're very barbelled right now in terms of having some large ideas, some small ideas, growth and value ideas. And we'll start making shifts in the portfolio once we see some evidence that one of these factors is going to start leading the market again. A factor that we have been exposed to throughout the year is the beta factor. We've seen the economy pick back up from 2020's depressed levels. We've seen unprecedented levels of fiscal and monetary stimulus. And both of those things um, combined to make us feel that markets are headed higher. And beta is a, a traditionally good factor to help express those views. And so I know different from, from yourself, some active managers have taken some fairly large bets, some of which have worked, some of which have not. And Steve, may, maybe given your focus on risk, are there any parts of the, the market where active managers broadly have been winning or losing, given the factor shifts that we've seen this year? Yeah, Matt, I mean, active management is is always challenged on what it is and, 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 and how it works in terms of you know, being able to beat benchmarks and beat peers. Factor shifts exacerbate the problem, and particularly when they are short-term rather than longer-term trended. And that's largely because you know, active managers are theme-based, you know, their valuation, growth, profitability, et cetera. You know, largely they're, they're turnover resistant. Uh, you know, there are some that, that are adopt turnover strategies as, as part of what they do. But when factors shift away from managers' themes or philosophy, you'll see underperformance. Similarly, when it shifts towards them, you see outperformance. So in a year where factors are shifting, right, you get you, you get both sides of that, and it's, it, it's been a conundrum. Um, in this recent set, we've noticed that the longer duration growth managers that did very well in 2020, because the trend of that first three quarters were sort of in their sweet spot, they did poorly over the subsequent two quarters, Q4 2020 and Q1 
2021. And, and, you know, they've sort of battling, been battling this year to stay around even or get back up above. Similarly, uh, momentum managers, you know, suffered this year as momentum shifted from growth to value and is now somewhat muddled in between the two. Um, and finally, size shifts have been quite notable. The reversion trade that began Q4 of 2020 favored not only value, but the smallest market segments as well. And so that persisted through Q1 before returning to normal and created some dislocation for managers as well. The large cap growth was fairly flat for Q1. Large value was up near 11% and micro cap value up around 29%. And you look at today, micro cap value is still hovering around 29%. Large value has moved up slightly, but large growth has again taken off dramatically. So, in you know, in the context of this, it's it is quite difficult uh, for managers to work through these shifts. And you know, what we've found is that those have been able to thread the needle between all of these particular factor moves have been able to actually do well. Excellent. And I think maybe a natural progression now is is to start looking towards 2022 and what might be in store for active managers and and the market going forward. And Mike, uh, maybe I'll throw this to you to, to ask how you've been thinking about balancing some of the exposure um, to factors we've discussed like value and cyclicality or momentum going forward. And how has this guided where you're finding some exciting and interesting opportunities in the small cap space? Thanks, Matt. Yes. Uh, so at Clarivest, we have many tools to evaluate factor behavior. On a daily basis, we're looking at our factor exposures to the portfolio when I say factor exposures, I'm talking about style factors as well as stock selection factors. We're also looking at the contribution to risk, the contribution to return in the portfolios. And each morning, we're presented with an optimized trade list that incorporates all these views as well as the stock selection views. And it generates a risk-reward optimized trade list. Now, when we think about building a portfolio, we build from the bottom up. So we're not trying to predict factor performance next year or two years from now and then build the portfolio accordingly. But rather, we let the fundamentals and the trends come in through the bottom, come through through at the stock level. So to the extent that you have valuation or growth or momentum or quality or any other host of factors doing well, and they have some kind of fundamental uh, reason why they're doing well, you'll start to see that come at the stock level and build up in the portfolio. And to the extent that these factors and trends are persisting, you'll see the exposures build up to these factors as well. Now, in terms of where we're seeing some some good ideas right now, uh, we like banks and semiconductors. From a factor perspective, we like banks because analysts are raising estimates there. The industry uh, momentum is, is very good there. So you're having investors coming in, adding banks to the portfolios, bidding up the prices there. And you also have short sentiment looking good there. So short sellers are staying away from this industry. And it also makes sense when you're thinking about factors just to understand what the drivers are. So in banks, we have interest rates rising, which means that's going to help their net interest margins. We have the economy improving, the economy growing. So that's going to help loan growth. Their balance sheets are in pristine condition. They, they learned a valuable lesson after the global financial crisis. And the number one industry where M&A activity is happening right now is in banks. And that lends support to bank valuations going forward. Another area that we like is in semiconductors. Some of the factors that, we, that are showing positive sentiment there 
are, again, earnings revisions and earnings surprise and reporting surprise. So what's happening is these these semiconductor companies are reporting. Uh, they're beating estimates, consensus estimates, and the investors are liking it. Now, semiconductors have had a, had a headwind. As everybody knows, most industries are suffering supply chain issues. But on the other side of that, semiconductors also have record level of backlog. So as the supply chain starts to clear up, semiconductor companies have the whole ammunition stored up to continue growth going forward. And also what we saw with the supply chain issues in semiconductors is that, is that governments realize this is a national security interest. And so you're going to get some more support from sovereign governments, I think, as well in the semiconductor space. And finally, society is moving towards more technology. Um, you know, you have it from watches to cars now. There's going to be uh, things that we can't even imagine that are going to be needing semiconductors, and that trend will just continue. But when thinking about factors, I think what's really important is not just to look to see how factors are doing, but to understand the underlying trend of why that's happening at the company level, looking to see what's going on at the company level, how that's affecting the industry, and getting a better understanding of why those factors are performing the way they are. That way, I think you'll get the best opportunity for your portfolio. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. Banks and semis, they're two very important parts of, of, of small cap and really the overall economy. Uh, and John, maybe a similar question. How are you tilting your portfolio heading into 2022? And are there any particular sectors that you favor right now? Sure. So I mentioned in terms of factoring positioning that we're already over with the beta factor. And I think into 2022, that'll continue to be a, a good place to be. We think that as you continue to see the economy expand, uh, markets should continue to drive higher. Uh, we will put an asterisk on that pending no policy mistakes from either the uh, on the fiscal or the monetary side. Our particular strategy is always underweight the leverage factor. Uh, leverage is one of those factors. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And then all of a sudden matters a lot. And that especially matters more as you're getting towards the end of a expansion cycle. And while we think 2022 is going to continue to be expansionary, uh, we are getting closer and closer to the end of the cycle. That's going to start raising rates. And as you start raising rates, eventually you're going to make that monetary policy error and eventually you'll have a recession. And so we think being lower leverage will pay off well for us. On sector positioning, our biggest overweights right now are the energy and material spaces. Over the last few years, there has not been a lot of capacity added in terms of new supply for oil, copper, various chemicals. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. But the, the net result is supply is not able to ramp up as quickly as you're seeing demand ramp up. Demand for a lot of these areas has been depressed because of the pandemic. Uh, mobility's been low. Travel has been low. Uh, and now that people are getting back out there and doing a lot of things, you're starting to see demand for these commodities really ramp up. Add on to that another layer of anticipated government spending on infrastructure, green energy projects, and the supply-demand dynamics are really attractive. I will caveat that again with We'll see what happens with the next variants on COVID and if um, the Federal Reserve makes an overly hawkish tilt here. But barring one of those being a long-term problem, we think energy materials are pretty attractively set up. We also really like some areas in healthcare. Uh, medical devices specifically is an area that was depressed during the pandemic. People couldn't go and get some of their elective procedures. And so we think that the rebound, people go and get those medical procedures 
uh, we think that medical devices are set up pretty well going forward too. Great. Thanks, John. I do want to get some input from Steve on one factor that we haven't really discussed yet, which is quality. And we've seen quality bouncing back over the past couple of months. And so I want to ask you, Steve, do you think this can continue? And how could that guide investing either growth or value and even small caps, which one could argue might have some some uh, lower quality characteristics? Yeah, quality is uh, it's a safe haven in times of uncertainty. What, what investors are essentially saying is that I feel comfortable investing in a solid company with a strong balance sheet, predictable earnings and profitability that leads to reinvestment and asset growth. In the context of where we are today, we're trying to ascertain how the economy grows and fares from here in the presence of COVID and its variants and in the continuum that is the paradigm shifts in technology that empower future productivity, quality will remain a bedrock. Managers on both sides, value and growth, will use quality as a guardrail against the perils of uncertainty. Staying a bit closer as uncertainty rises, as we are now, and while we see quality doing well this year, and loosening the reins as the horizon becomes more clear. Obviously, the largest, most successful companies growing earnings in a sustainable fashion fall into this category. And as you say, but what about small caps? You know, they're harder to find because of the, uh, the earnings uh, numbers that uh, Mike had pointed out. Uh, but they do exist. And we find in our work that portfolios of all sizes that lean towards quality uh, in either selection or construction, they've outperformed this year. And they'll, they'll likely do so, uh, continue to do so in these times of uncertainty. Excellent. Thank you very much, Stephen. I'll throw over to Mike. How important do you think valuation is going to be in 2022? And is there a particular capitalization where you think it will matter most? It's a good question, Matt. To me, valuation is always important. And unfortunately, the market and I don't always see eye to eye. But I think with interest rates moving up, I think uh, it'll move closer to my view. In small cap, we've already seen the move towards investors favoring value. Uh, However, that move has been generated mostly on the fall of these concept stocks. So it's, it's more that these stocks have fallen than value stocks have done well. But I think we'll see a transition from the emphasis being on these concept stocks falling back down to earth towards uh, investors appreciating the characteristics that value stocks have to offer. And because we've seen that transition all starting to occur already in small cap, some of the steam has already come out of the bubble, I would say, from growth to value. But we haven't really seen that happen in large cap yet. So large cap, they don't have very many non-earners, and you haven't really seen the transition from growth to value. But as soon as we, the transition happens, starts to happen, I think, in small cap, you'll also start to see it in large cap. And I think large cap will benefit more from value resurgence than small cap, since small cap has already benefited a little bit from that. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. And uh, maybe time for one more question. So let me see, and I'll throw this to to anyone who wants to answer it. Um, But uh, here we go. Growth and value factors aren't exclusive to the stylistic benchmarks with those names, like the Russell 2000 value or Russell 2000 growth. Um, Can you talk about how maybe value can be performing well within a growth benchmark or vice versa? I'll take a shot at that, Matt. I think when we're looking at at Russell in particular, uh, their methodology for uh, 
for developing uh, the benchmarks and the style side of the benchmarks is that they take one third of any universe and they mark that as pure value and the other third, uh, another third, I should say, as pure growth. And it's based on book to price and, and some other factors that they use. So then the middle third is a blend. And that, that blend is these are names that actually have exposure to both the growth and the value benchmarks. And so if you're a growth manager and there's a time where value is doing well, obviously leaning towards those names that are in the blend in the growth benchmark, right, keeps you inside of growth. But you're actually being able to take advantage of the fact that value uh, is moving. In, in your growth portfolio. And and a lot of what will direct you there, again, will probably start bottom up as you uh, work from a characteristic perspective as a manager to look for catalysts in that uh, blended side that are going to drive the appreciation of stock with anticipation for uh, the procurement of cash flows. Great, thank you, Steve. And thank you to, to Mike and John as well for all of their insights today. And thank you, our audience, for, for joining us. And with that, thank you again and have a good rest of the day. Thanks for listening to Markets in Focus from Carillon Tower Advisors. Please find additional episodes and market insights at marketsinfocuspodcast.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, I'm Matt Orton. podcasts are for informational purposes only. This channel is not monitored by Carillon Tower Advisors. Please visit marketsandfocuspodcast.com for additional disclosure. This material is a general communication being provided for information purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be taken as advice or a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan feature, or other purpose in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from Carillon Tower Advisors or any of its affiliates to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any examples used are generic, hypothetical, and for illustration purposes only. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision, and you should not rely on it in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make an independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, tax, credit, and accounting implications and make their own determinations together with their own professionals in those fields. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for information purposes only based on certain assumptions and current market conditions and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production, but no warranty of accuracy is given and no liability in respect of any error or omission is accepted. It should be noted that investment involves risks. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results. Past performance does not guarantee or indicate future results. There is no guarantee that these investment strategies will work under all market conditions, and each investor should evaluate their ability to invest for the long term, especially during periods of downturn in the market. Investing involves risk and may incur a profit or loss. Investment returns and principal value will fluctuate so that an investor's portfolio, when redeemed, may be worth more or less than their original cost. Diversification does not ensure a profit or guarantee against loss.